Um, we're in a series called Think Clearly. And I want to tell you something that happened to me about a month ago, and it caused me not to think very clearly. It was a month ago last night, and I'm doing a wedding. And it's a wedding in St. Pete. It's a very nice place. Everybody's dressed up. It's a great event. And I, I know the couple. They, they come here, and their family comes here, but I, I don't know them well. I, I know them well enough to pick them out, you know, at Target, but that's, that's about as well as I really know them, like them, but, but don't know them well. And so as the service, the, the, uh, the uh, wedding gets started, um, I was asked to honor <clears throat> the three grandparents, which is, you know, that's a no-brainer. Why not? Why not honor the three grandparents? Well, so we just get started, and the wedding is who gives this woman to be married to this man, and it's, you know, her family and I, and it's great. And so then I mentioned these three grandparents by name, and I got the names, you know, all figured out, and I got it going on, and, and I do it really loud. And then I asked for the three grandparents to stand up, which I thought that was a great idea to have them stand up. We're honoring them. And of course, the bride's right here, and she leans into my microphone with this horror look on her face. They're dead. <laughs> I said, that would be interesting if we had a resurrection today. I, I, I'm scrambling. I'm trying to figure out what to say next. I just, I just, you know, to honor them. And, of course, the room, half the people that are, you know, like fundamental religious people, they have a horror look on their face. And the other people like me in the room who have a very unsanctified sense of humor, they're dying laughing. They're like, the preacher just had these dead people stand up. You know, how, what an idiot, you know. And, it, and so I, at, at this moment, my mind is unclear. And I, I am backpedaling. I mean, we just get the thing started. And I got the three dead people to rise from the dead. And, and it was awful. And I, I can just remember to myself going, all right, get it together, get it together. Don't overcompensate. Quit trying to be funny. You've, you've cracked this egg. You've, you've scrambled it. You can't put it back in the shell. Just let it go. And, and of course, half the, con- half the people out there are still laughing. You know, that preacher's the dumbest preacher we've ever heard, you know. And, and, and I, all that whole ceremony, I was not thinking clearly. I could hear my wife's voice. She wasn't even there. I could hear my wife's voice telling me, don't try to be funny. Don't try to be funny. Just, just you know, get, get it together. But what do you do like that? When, when you say something or you do something like that that you cannot recover from, you, you, once you do it, I mean, you cannot unscramble eggs, right? Once that egg is cracked, you can't put it back in the shell. And so I, I, I just... That whole ceremony, I was struggling just to think clearly. Now, we've all had events like that. But if we think unclearly most of the time, life is not going to go well for us. And we all in the room know that if we can think clearly and think better, the better we think, the better life will go for us. We, we all know that. Every mom in the room knows that she needs to think clearly. Now, she may not be able to think clearly, you know, 24-7, but she's got to be able to think clearly 24-6, right? Most of the week, a mom's got to be able to think clearly. And we all know the difference between dads who think clearly and deadbeat dads who don't think clearly. And the outcome is cataclysmic for the different children involved in those relationships. 
We, we all get that in, in our work world as well. In your business world, whenever you are thinking clearly, you make better decisions. And better decisions equal whatever it is for your business to go better and to go better and to go better. We, we, we all get that in the room. Well, what would it be like to crawl into somebody else's mind for maybe a day? What would it be like? You ever wondered how somebody else thinks? I mean, we, we, we know what people think, but when we begin to understand how people, if, if I was a salesman and I was trying to sell a product, I wouldn't be doing all the talking. I'd be trying to figure out how that other person thinks. Because if I understand how he or she thinks, then maybe I'm able to sell the product. What, what would it be like to crawl into um, someone else's mind, though, for, for a day? It's kind of a scary thought for some of you. I'm looking at some of you thinking, I don't know if I, that's a good idea or not. What, what in the world was Richard Nixon, President Richard Nixon, thinking when he bugged Watergate? What, what, what in the world was he thinking during that event? And I wonder what President Harry, Harry Truman was thinking when he knew he had the opportunity to end World War II and he had to drop those bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I wonder if he slept at all the night before. I wonder what John Hancock and the other 55 guys were thinking when they signed that Declaration of Independence. And they realized that they were now you know, leveraging their family and their farms and their future for that incredible event. What, what were they thinking, those, those, those incredible men? And I, I, what is Justin Bieber thinking right now? I mean... I mean, honestly, I, I feel sorry for the guy. He's that hog on ice that we talked about a couple weeks ago. He, he's had too much fame and too much success and too much money. What, what in the world is going through Justin Bieber's mind on a, on a regular basis? And then we see, like, you know, the, the unwed mother who, who's in poverty, but she chooses not to abort the baby. And she works three different jobs. And that child then somehow gets like a full ride to Yale or to Rose Holman and becomes a, a phenomenal engineer. It's like, how does that happen? How do those people think? Well, thinking clearly always leads to a better life. And if that was just the end of this today, that would be good, but it wouldn't be enough. Because, again, that kind of makes life about you. And life's never about you. Life is always about God, and so God wants you to think clearly so you can make really good decisions for Him. And so it, it's great that you think clearly for you and for your family and as a mom, as a dad. As, that's, that's great, but it's bigger than that. God wants you to be able to think very, very clearly for His kingdom and for kingdom purposes. And so I want to start off today. This is not in your bulletin, but I want to start off today with with some ways that, that, that are unhealthy. You don't want to think this way. And I want to I ask you, you know, do you think this way? And I call this stinking thinking. And this stinking thinking is not where you want to be. And so I'm going to list eight of these. And if you've got one or two of these, then, then we really need to dial into the very end of this message. At the end of the message today, I'm going to ask you to pick two uh, pieces of very specific application. All right, here's the stinking thinking. Here's how you don't want to think. Number one, my future is determined by my past and my present. That's unhealthy. That is unhealthy thinking. Number two, someone else do it for me. I, I just don't want to take responsibility. 
Number three, please make everything easy. I can't take it if things get too hard. This is all stinking thinking. Say that with me. Stinking thinking. Isn't that pretty theological? That's pretty good, I thought. Number four, I can't help it. I'm addicted to grumbling, fault-finding, and complaining. There are people who think they are, they are they're professional fault-finders. They think that's one of their spiritual gifts. It's not one of the spiritual gifts listed, listed in the New Testament. Number five, my behavior may be wrong, but it's not my fault. Well, whose fault is it then if it's not yours? If your behavior is wrong, whose fault is it? Well, it's not my fault. Somebody else's fault. I, I wasn't my fault. Number, number six, I feel so sorry for myself because my life is so messed up. I, I get that. That hurts. Number seven, I don't deserve God's blessings because I'm unworthy. Number eight, why shouldn't I be jealous and envious when everybody else is better off? Now, now those eight, the, the glass is like half empty. And that kind of stinking thinking will not position you to be in the great place that God wants you to be, for God to be able to use you. Now, all eight of those are valid if you're not a believer. If you're not a believer, the stinking thinking is applicable. However, if you are a Christian and if you are a believer, none of those are absolutely available to you. Here's why. Ezekiel chapter 36 Hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. Ezekiel chapter 36 says this. This was God's dream. This was God's goal. I, God, will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. Now, here, here's what's so cool about that. The spirit of the living God is going to come inside of you. And I'm going to move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. This is God's dream. God wants to put his spirit inside of you. Now, that was today. You read that today. We ended with, with, second, with 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 16, which says, you can have the mind of Christ. Now, catch this. Nobody really wants to crawl into the mind of Justin Bieber. I get that. But all of us can crawl into the mind of Jesus Christ. When Paul says, you can have the mind of Christ, this is why. This is your home court advantage. You have an unfair advantage over everybody else. In your life, in your circumstances, in your challenges, in your obstacles, you have an unfair advantage. You have the mind of Christ. Now, I think that's just cool. Because in every situation of your life, are you still going to have challenges? Well, of course. Are you still going to have issues? Yes. Will you still have obstacles? Uh-huh. We have all those things. However, in my challenges and in my issues and in my obstacles, I have the mind of Christ. We're going to, we're going to extrapolate that today a little bit because that's your ticket. That's your advantage. That's your home court advantage. And so Paul is trying to say to all of us in this room, you, you qualify if you're a believer. You qualify to be able to understand how Christ thinks. And when you understand how he thinks, it translates then, then into a better life for you. And so here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, we have received, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. 
And he's in a long context there about, you know, Greek philosophers and a lot of Greek different things, which is not all bad. There's a lot of truth to it. But what he's trying to say is, is you got something better than even the best thinkers in this world. You've got, you, you have an advantage because what we've received is not the spirit of the world. And that's what God wanted to do. God, from, from Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I'm going to give you a new heart and put my spirit inside of you. And that's exactly what Joy during communion talked about in John chapter 14. Jesus said, I got to go away. And when I go away, I'm going to leave you my counselor, my advocate. I'm going to give you my spirit on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, they were all together. Tongues of fire came, happened. It was a cool event. And the Holy Spirit then birthed the church. The first really church service was in Acts chapter 2. And so here's Paul now, who now has the mind of Christ. He says, look, what we've received is not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit who's from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is cool. Look at the next verse, verse 9. He says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard And what no mind has conceived, the things God has prepared, nobody can do this. He said, do do you understand that as great as the eye is, as great as the ear is, as great as the mind is, do do you understand that as great as, as all those things are, God's got something better in mind for you? God's got something more in store for you? Let's just camp out on the eye for just a second. Because the eye is absolutely amazing. And you think about the most beautiful scenes that you've seen with your eyes in the world. And you've been to some great places, and you've seen some beautiful things. And as great as the eye is, God's saying, my spirit is better. My spirit can help you see better than your own eye. And the eye is amazing. You know your eye can distinguish 10 million colors? And your eye, on a clear night, if you're on a mountain, can see a flickering candle flame 30 miles away. Your eye is absolutely amazing. So is your ear, your ears, your ability to hear. 73,000 vibrations per second you can hear. spare time this last week. 73,000 vibrations per second. Hundreds of instruments in that Beethoven's fifth century, and you can hear them. And the mind, oh my goodness, had there been some brilliant minds in history. We're going to show you a picture of just three. The first one we all use is products, and Tom's going to buy you something from him, so (laughs) we all use his products. And, and, and the next guy, I mean, he, he's got to do South Africa to PayPal. I mean, probably not too many of us have Teslas, but this guy was amazing when he's coming with this, this Tesla car. And we all use the third guy. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, no eye can see, and no, the eye is amazing. 
No ear can hear, and yet your hearing is phenomenal. No mind can see. You know how great your mind is? You can process a million messages a second. If the blood vessels in your mind were stretched out straight, it's 100,000 miles in your brain. Four rotations around the earth. And so as great as the eye is, as great as the ear is, as great as the mind is, here's what Paul is saying. But God has revealed this to us. Look at the next verse. God has revealed these things by the Spirit. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive. However, God has given you his Spirit to reveal to you truth greater than these natural organs that you have. These things have been revealed to us by his Spirit. And the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Look at the next verse. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Look at the next verse. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. We all get that. We all got people in our family who don't get it. They don't understand why you come to church. They don't understand why you take a week's vacation and go someplace that's a third world country and build huts. They don't get that. They don't get why you sacrifice your tithes and offerings. They don't get why you come to a worship service and honor God, his worship. They, they don't get that. We all have people in our work. We all have people in our neighborhood. And it's very clear. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. But here's what he says. But we, those that are Christians, we have the mind of Christ. And so this is like where the rubber meets the road for me. If this doesn't work in my marriage, if this doesn't work in my parenting, if this doesn't work like professionally, if this doesn't work like friendship and relationally for me, then, then this, this doesn't work. It's not real. And, and so for me, for the last X number, you know, couple of decades now, I've experienced how this mind of Christ changes everything in my life. It changes everything in your life. And so it's why you want to be filled with the Spirit. Now, you don't have to be. You can quench God's Spirit. You can grieve God's Spirit. You can have as much of God's Spirit as you want to. This is, this is what everybody can have in the room. But it just makes a lot of sense to me. It helps me to think very clearly when I have the mind of Christ in my marriage. When I don't have the mind of Christ in my marriage... It doesn't go so good. And raising kids are now 24, 23, and 17, but when they were, you know, 8, 7, and 2, I mean, you talk about needing the mind of Christ. And, and, and none of this life doesn't get any easier. Even as your kids get older, you've got different parenting and coaching and different things you're doing. Life doesn't get easier the older you get. It gets more complicated gets more challenging. But at the same time, there's like this unfair advantage. There's, there's this home court advantage that we have because we have the mind of Christ. And so this, this works when somebody's offended you and you're bitter. This works when you're able to forgive somebody. 
This works when you're able to recognize the Holy Spirit going ding, 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 ding. This probably isn't the best set of friends I should have right now at this stage of my life. This works in business. I know that looks like a sweet deal, but I don't know. Something like this is like a sixth sense saying to me, that's probably not the kind of person I should. I know I could make a lot of money, but I probably shouldn't go into business. I, I know if we moved, you know, we could make more, but I got something telling me this is not a good time for the kids to move. You have the mind of Christ. Take any obstacle, take any challenge, take any issue in your life, and you've got the mind of Christ. Why not tap into it? This is what Paul is saying. You and I have the Spirit, and the Spirit clarifies, and the Spirit enables you to make wise choices and really good decisions. And we all know this in the room. The people who are most successful, whether they're students, whether they're athletes, whether they're in business, whether they're priests, whether they're pastors, the people who are most successful in life are the people who can think clearly. And what I'm trying to say today is you want to think clearly not just for you. You want to think clearly because you belong to the king, and the king has purposes for your life. So let's dial into these. There's seven of them I want to share real quickly. They're in your bulletin. If you're a note taker, I'm going to ask you to pick two of these. Two of these I'm going to ask you to put into practice. One of them I think you already do. Here's the first one. Pray for your eyes to be opened. This is a big deal. Some of us go through life just blind and never really cognizant of the fact that God is at work in our lives. And here's this cool story out of the Kings. Let's look at this. 2 Kings chapter 6 when the servant of the man of God got up, this is Elisha's servant, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet. This is Elisha. Yeah, this is Elisha. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord. I mean, I, I pray this all the time for myself. And I pray this all the time for our staff and for my kids and for our elders and for Danita. Lord, open our eyes. I know she prays that for me. Lord, open his eyes so, so that we can see. We can, let us see what your good and perfect will is. That's the number one. Number two. Let's go to the next one, okay? Here we are. We're going to listen. We're going to listen for his voice. Here's a scripture that goes with that. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was on the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I get most of my answers from God, not with this giant megaphone. I get most of my answers from God with a gentle whisper. Go this way. Don't go this way. Back up. Don't back up. It's a gentle whisper. Listen. Listen for his voice. Number three. We already do number three. This is the, this is the one that's given. Spend 15 minutes a day with God every day in the scriptures. I, I think that's a given. You know, why do we do this? Why have we been talking about this for the last, I don't know, eight or nine weeks? It's so that you will be able to have the mind of Christ. Here's what Joshua says, 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Who in the room doesn't want to be prosperous? Who in the room doesn't want to be successful? We all do. We all want to be prosperous and successful. 
And so we spend that 15 minutes with God. We're able to dial in and gain the mind of Christ. Here's the next one, number four. Be righteousness conscious, not sin conscious. This is a big deal. It may not seem like a big deal, but for you to go around and go, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, you were a sinner, but you're now a saint. You're now a child of God. And so we walk around with a righteousness consciousness. It came from Christ. Look at the verse. Look at what verse it comes from, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to get that verse. This verse is saying that every day you are the righteousness of God. Now, I know you're not going to go to school tomorrow morning and say to everybody else, I'm the righteousness of God. Look at me. I'm the righteousness of God. I know you're not going to do that at work tomorrow, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true that you are the righteousness of God. So we don't strut through life, but we, we walk confidently that because of Christ, we now are the righteousness of God. That's amazing to me. Look at the next one. B, God loves me minded. I think that little shift of, oh, God's out to get me, or I got so much guilt, or I got so much to be worried about, that's not God. That doesn't come from your heavenly Father. But God loves me. God loves me. Zephaniah 3.17 says God sings over you every day. He sings over you. Look at that. Well, let's look at the verse that says that. 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in, in love lives in God. And God in them, the mind of Christ. All right? Next one. Choose life. I think this is a really big one, too. This is where the glass is not half empty. The glass is half full. We choose life. I choose life. I choose to be your your young person. I choose to be your man. I choose to be your woman. I, I choose, I choose life. And I choose to live my life as if it really mattered because it does. And I choose to live my life for you because it matters to you. So we choose life. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Here's the last one. The last one is, is expect firsthand faith experiences. You see, I think that's the exciting part of your Christian life. I think the exciting part is when you get to experience Christ firsthand. And you look through the Bible, and you see these different people in the Bible, and they had these firsthand faith experiences. I mean, Noah, he's got this amazing firsthand faith experience with God. Building the ark for 120 years, he's building the ark. Moses is out in the wilderness, and the bush catches on fire, spontaneous combustion, but it doesn't burn up. And, and, and he has this incredible encounter with God, goes on the mountain and receives Ten Commandments. Incredible. Abraham has this firsthand faith experience with the Heavenly Father. This is what you want. This is the good stuff. These are the perks. When you firsthand get to experience God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, and God's purpose for you in your life. And he wants to experience life with you, with each and every one of you. And so here's these seven. And I'm going to ask you to pick two of these. I think you've already got number three. So I think number three is a given. We've been talking about number three, to spend 15 minutes with God every day. We've been talking about that now for I don't know how many weeks, eight or nine. 
But pick, pick another one. Pick another one for the next seven days. Work really hard on just, just this other one. Don't do all seven. Just pick one more. Do you need to pray for your eyes to be open? Do you need to go to John Chestnut Park or Felipe Park or the causeway or the beach this afternoon or this week and just listen? Lord, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen for you to speak to me. Maybe it's the righteousness conscience. I am the righteousness of Christ. Maybe it's, you know, God does love me. God does love me. He certainly does love me. I'm going to choose life. I choose to choose life. Or I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to expect it. I'm going to expect these firsthand faith experiences. I'm going to ask you to pick two of these. And then Dave and Joy are going to lead us in our song about the Holy Spirit again. You have the mind of Christ.